Welcome to the Podcast at the Hill. You are about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled, Roots in the River, from our series, A Spirit-Filled Summer. Amen. Appreciate that. And uh, I want to continue in that vein of talking about Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, we're going to be in this, this, this mode for a few weeks. And if I had a title, it would simply be, A Spirit-Filled Summer. Say that with me. A Spirit-Filled Summer. My prayer for us this summer is that we would deepen our roots in the things of God, and this would be a sweet season of us drawing close to Him and experiencing His presence. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bible, I'm in Jeremiah 17. Throughout the Bible, there are many symbols that represent the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Many symbols along the way. A couple of them you talked about last week in the message. Pastor Quinley drew your attention to those found in Acts 2. The wind, the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and the fire that came and rested upon them, that fire that energizes and purifies the church of Jesus. We talked about those symbols. Well, today I want us to look at one that runs throughout the Old and New Testament, and it is the symbol of water. Say water. Amen. If you have your Bible, Jeremiah 17, verses 5 to 8 is going to be our text today. Amen. Welcome our live stream guests that are watching us by that way. And if you want to follow along on your device, if you open your Uversion app and search the live event, you'll find Forest Hill Church of God there. You'll have the text as well as the notes today to follow along with. And I urge you to do that. Amen. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord, Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. Verse 8 will be our text this morning, will be our key verse. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Look back at verse 8, that first line again. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Amen. I want to talk to you today about having our roots in the river. Amen. Amen. God blessed the reading of his word and his people said, Amen. Amen. I love the picture in this verse. The Bible tells us that God's will is that we be a spring-fed garden. Amen. That's what God wants our lives to look like. I know we live in a world where God gets a bad reputation and there are many people in the media and in the world who have a wrong view of God and they somehow settle in their mind that God is out to get them or that serving God is going to be a bad decision, that it's going to rob their life of all the things that they want to do, all that they want to accomplish or that the world really has what's going to bring joy and if you become a person who follows God or or tries to follow the Lord Jesus, you're somehow going to miss out on the best things in life. I want to tell you that is a very cleverly packaged and well-sold lie of the enemy. Amen? And it is very well done because if you look in the media today, if you look at popular entertainment, if you listen to music or watch movies today, if you keep up with the culture at all, you will find that people who love and serve the Lord are often portrayed in a very negative light. Has anybody noticed that or just me? 
But the reality is for those of us who know the Lord, for those of us who have a relationship with Him, for those of us who've been filled with His Spirit and have drunk deeply from the well of God's living water, we know that that is a lie. It is a caricature. It is a mistruth. And we know that the reality is the best life we could ever have is the life we found when we trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. And we found that life. And the Bible says that's God's will for us. The Bible says there are two options today for us. We have a choice to make. We can either be like a tree that is flourishing and fruitful, or we can be like a dry little scrub bush existing, languishing on the edge of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But God's will for us is that we would be like a well-watered garden. Amen. Where do you get that? Well, Jeremiah 31 and 12 says it this way. They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, the young flocks, and the herds. They will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Do you see it? They will be like a well-watered garden garden. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says it the same way. The prophet Isaiah tells God's people that if the Lord will always guide you, he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. This is the Lord's will for us, that our life be flourishing and full. Amen? Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, that you might have life to the full. Eugene Peterson says that you might have life that is really worthy of being called life, life that is truly life, life that satisfies not just existing, but living in the joy and the fullness of all God intends for us. Jill Briscoe describes it vividly. She said, we can become a watered garden whose waters never fail, even in the time of drought, whether it's drought in our marriage, drought in our business, or drought in our health. We can still be like a tree where people come to find nourishment, healing, health, and shade from our lives. Let me ask you that. Is that true of you? The Bible says that we ought to be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks us a reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. The problem I have today is I don't meet a lot of Christians who are getting asked any questions. Do you hear me? Not only should we be ready to answer, but we ought to be getting questions. Peter says there ought to be something about my life that is so alive and full of joy and marked by God's peace and so full of the Holy Spirit that it stands out in contrast to the world around us. There ought to be something different and unique and alive about God's people. There ought to be a mark on us. When we go to work, when we live in our neighborhoods, when we walk through our community, there ought to be something about us that people look at and they take notice of and they say, what is it about that person that is so refreshing, that is so life-giving? People ought to be knocking on our door. People ought to be approaching us and asking us questions about our lives. People ought to be wondering why are they so different 
When's the last time someone asked you a question about your hope or your joy or your peace or how it is that you're able to bear up under the strain and the struggle of your current trial and it not take your feet out from under you emotionally? We ought to be living that quality of life because that is what the Spirit-filled life looks like. Amen? Being filled with the Spirit, it begins with a personal Pentecost. But we are to be continually refreshed and filled with the Holy Spirit thereafter. That ought to be a a, a constant thing moving in our lives. We are to be like a spring-fed garden. Our lives are to be a well-watered garden. And the reason it is so is because we put our roots down by the river. Amen. We plant our roots in the river of God, and that river is the Holy Spirit. Do people come and seek us out because they long for the joy, the peace, the abundant, fulfilling quality of life that they see in us? Does the world around us take note of the fact that we're fruitful and flourishing, even though the circumstances of our life would predict we should be the very opposite? The Bible says in our text, they do not fear even in the season of drought. Can I tell you, we eventually are going to go through dry spells in our lives. Amen? Everyone faces a dry season. It may be a dry season in your marriage. It may be a time where things are just not going as well as you hoped they would. You may feel a distance between you and your spouse. And if all your joy and all your hope is tied up in that other human being, then you're in trouble. But even when things are not going the best in your relationships, if your roots go down into the river of the Holy Spirit, you can have a peace and you can have a joy. Amen. Sometimes we face seasons of life where the care of a loved one threatens to cause a drought in our lives. We're so overwhelmed with the needs of someone else. And it's easy for us to get depleted and to feel burned out and what today they've named compassion fatigue, right? But I want to tell you the only way for us to be able to endure seasons of drought like that is we have to have a root system that taps into the river of God. We connected to the life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the only way we won't dry up. Amen? The Bible tells us this over and over. We need a supply of living water. Say that with me. A supply of living water. The Word tells us this over and over. The Holy Spirit, He's symbolized by the water of life. In Hosea 6.3 it says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to know Him. And as surely as the sun rises, He will appear. And when He does, He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that the water the earth. The Bible says that God's Spirit can come to us and make us a well-watered garden. Isaiah 12 and 3 says, with joy you'll draw water from the well of salvation. Amen. Jeremiah 2.13, God calls himself the fountain of living water. And he warns us that if we forsake him, we trade him for a busted water tank that can't hold anything. Amen. The word tells us this in Psalm 46 and 4. The Bible says there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God and the holy place where the Most High dwells. What's interesting about that verse is there was no river in Jerusalem. Jerusalem doesn't sit on the banks of a river like many cities do. Jerusalem didn't have a natural river. And so what the king did, what Hezekiah did, is he went up into the mountains and he ran an irrigation stream down those mountains that flowed 
flowed into the city and in several places around the city he built pools of water and the water would flow down from the mountains into the city and spring up in pools like the pool of Bethesda and the pool of Siloam and these different places and you could go and find water there. Amen? And the point was, they had a river that nobody knew about. Even though they didn't have a natural river, they had a river. Amen? And this is true for the people of God. When everything in our circumstances dries up, when everything around us looks dark and dim, the people of God still have a river. We've got the presence of the Holy Spirit flowing in our lives, available to us to keep us fresh and flourishing. Genesis 2 says that from the Garden of Eden there flowed a river and then it divided into headwaters. The prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 47 said there was a river that flowed from the altar out the back of the temple and it grew deeper and he measured it and it was ankle deep and then knee deep and waist deep and finally waters to swim in. And everywhere the river flowed, the Bible says, things came alive. All along the banks of the river. In Revelation 22 the Bible says it this way. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. As clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. Bearing twelve crops of fruit. Yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Amen. You and I can have the river of water. The reason many people don't ever find the river, the reason many people are thirsty today is because like Jeremiah 2.13 warns, they are stuck on a substitute. Say that with me. Stuck on a substitute. The first substitute for many people are earthly relationships. Jesus talked to a woman in John 4. This was her story. She was trying to substitute earthly relationships for what only Jesus could provide. Jesus comes to woman and she's out there at noonday and she's come to draw water that's an odd time for a woman to draw water all the other women would have been out there first thing in the morning and last thing in the evening when it was cool but she shows up in the hottest part of the day why because she doesn't want to encounter any of those women why Because she's been married five times and she's living with man number six, a man to whom she is not married. And it's very likely that she would bump into the current or former spouses of some of those men at the well. She doesn't want to be out there when the rest of them are out there. So she shows up at noontime. She's avoiding them, right? Amen. She comes when she thinks she'll be alone. And she is lonely. Uh, Here she is, and she meets man number seven when she comes out to the well. In John, numbers are always significant. Six is the number of a man. Say a man. In Revelation, it's the same. The number of man is six. The number of the man who will deceive the nations is six, 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 right? He's the highest thing that a human being can become, the Antichrist who rules the nations. And he may be three sixes, but he's still not a seven, amen? He's not God, even though he thinks he's God and tries to be God, amen? Amen. 
But when Jesus walks up to the well of Jacob that day, he is number seven. And he approaches her and he says, give me something to drink. And she said, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. We don't talk to one another. You know how the rules are here. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus responds to her and he says these beautiful words in John 4 and 10. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said, you don't have anything to draw with. Where will you get this water? Our father Jacob gave us this well. Are you greater than him? Bless you. Are you greater than he? And Jesus answered again in verse 13. He said, everyone who drinks from this water, pointing to the well, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring welling up to everlasting life. Amen. And all the kids used to sing, spring up, oh well, within my soul. Amen. Gush, 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 gush. Remember that? Yeah, some of you have been in Bible school too, right? Amen. She was thirsty, but she was thought she was thirsty for men. She'd gone from one to the next to the next. She just knew if she could ever marry the right guy, he would satisfy the deep needs of her heart. And, and she went from one to the next to the next. Now, this is likely not all her fault because in the culture of her day, Women didn't usually choose the divorce. The man usually chose that option. He's the one who exercised it. So it's not only that she's been looking, it's that she's been rejected this many times. She's tried and tried and tried again. It's not like she hasn't put herself out there. It isn't like she hasn't opened her heart and hoped for life to be better. But it's just that she never can find the one who will keep the promises that he makes to her. And many of you are in the room today and you've put your heart out time and time and time again. And the problem is simply this. There is no human being who can fully satisfy the deepest needs of your heart. Amen. Oh, if I could just find the right one. Jesus is the right one. And he's the only one who can meet that deep place in your heart. Many people have looked at Shay and myself and said, how is it that the two of y'all have done so well in life as a married couple? And this is the key to it for us. Listen, we knew the Lord Jesus and our hearts were satisfied in Christ before we ever got married. Listen, I don't look to her for the things that only God can give me. She doesn't look to me for the things that only Jesus can give her. And when you let God be God, you can let people be people. And it takes a lot of pressure off your marriage and your friendships and everything else when you get God in his rightful place. But if you don't have God in the center of your life, you're always looking for some other human being to meet the deep needs of your heart. And when they can't do it, you get disappointed and you get ready to move on. Mm, it's quiet in the holiness church. But we've got to get our heart and our love tank filled at the altar with Jesus. Amen. Jesus gives living water that will cause us to not be thirsty anymore. Uh, another thing that a lot of people substitute, not only human relationships, but empty religion. Say empty religion. The second time Jesus uses the phrase living water is in the book of John, but it's three chapters later in chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. The Bible says that Jesus shows up at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was an interesting feast because there was a great 
tra- very pictorial um, event that happened, an object lesson that went on every day of the feast. And on the last day, it really got elaborate. Every day of the feast, the high priest and all the priests of Israel with the people behind them would march in procession down to the pool of Siloam and they would take a silver pitcher and they would dip that pitcher down into the pool and they would fill it up. And then they would start singing the Psalms and they would march back up to the temple courts and they would go into where the altar was and they would take that silver pitcher and they would pour it out before the Lord as a drink offering. On the last day, the great day of the feast in John 7, 37, the Bible says that they came with the pitcher of water. They would have processed around the altar seven times and trip, the high priest would have started pouring out on the altar that silver pitcher full of water from the pool of Siloam. Just as he began to tip the pitcher over though, this year Jesus did something different. As the water begins to splash on the ground before the altar, Jesus lifts his voice and says to them, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being, rivers of living water will flow. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not yet been given, for Jesus had not yet been glorified. These people had seen the symbol, but they'd never tasted the reality. The high priest could give them a picture of living water, but he could not provide living water and that's why Jesus said if you're tired of looking at the water and you're ready to drink the water today is your day I want to tell you there are a lot of people in God's house who sit back and they watch as the water gets poured out but they never participate Mm -hmm. yeah they watch other people drink but they never drink they watch other people worship but they don't worship they, op- they watch other people open their heart and get refreshed. And they go home and say, my, my, didn't we have church today? You ought to say, my, my, didn't they have church today? Amen. It reminds me of a football game. Amen. <laughs> you got two teams full of people down there who desperately need rest, surrounded by thousands of people who desperately need exercise. Yeah. That's how your choir feels some Sunday mornings, by the way. (laughs) Choir, say amen. Amen. That's right. (laughs) We have to drink. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me. Say, come to me. It's not enough to come to church. It's not enough to come to the preacher. You have to come to Jesus. We have to come and say, Lord, I'm here, and I'm going to lower my bucket into the today. I'm going to dip my cup in the fountain that never runs dry. It's a personal choice that you and I must make. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me. You can choose to stay a dry little scrub bush living in the desert, or you can put your roots down in the river. It's up to you. It's up to you. It's a personal choice. Say it's personal. I want to close with this today. An unstopped well. What we need is an unstopped well. Say it with me. An unstopped well. There's a great story about water in Genesis 26. It's the story of a man named Isaac. Isaac, the second son of Abraham, the child of promise. The Bible says that his father had lived in the land, and everywhere he went, he did two things. He built an altar, and he dug a well. 
He honored the Lord and he had to dig a well because that was the only way his family and his herds and livestock could live was by means of that well. The Bible says that Isaac lives in this land and the Philistines don't like him. They are afraid of him because his family is growing. He has many servants, lots of flocks and herds. He's blessed and he is strong. And they are nervous by him dwelling among them. The Bible says that the Philistines knew better than to oppose him head on. They didn't want an all-out war with Isaac and his family. They didn't want to attack him face to face. They knew they would not win if they did that. Sounds just like the enemy, amen? So what the enemy did was the enemy divided a strategy. The enemy said we're not going to face them in a head on battle. Here's what we will do. Genesis 26 verse 15 says, so all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up filling them with earth. Say they stopped them up. They stopped up the well so that Isaac and his family and his flocks and his herds could not have water to drink. That was the plan for getting rid of him. That was the plan for destroying him. We won't attack him head on. We'll just cut off the water supply and we'll wait for him to shrivel up and die. Can I tell you today, there's some of you in the house of God today been a full frontal attack. It's not been any major thing in your life, but you know as well as I do, you come and you do the same thing week after week. You come and you sit on church pews and you're dry and you're dusty and you're thirsty and you're empty and there's nothing major you can put your finger on. There's not a big thing you can point to that's different, but you know that somehow everything is different because you used to be alive and flourishing. You used to have joy and peace. You used to walk in the river of God to drink from the fountain. Your heart used to be satisfied. You used to have in your relationship with God. But today you're dry and you're barren and you're empty and you're still going through the motions. The devil has stopped up your well today. And there may not be any real evidence on the outside yet, but there will be. Because the reality, we must have the river of God flowing in our lives. We must have the Holy Spirit's presence constantly moving and feeding and nourishing us. Or we will be like a dry little scrub bush living in a desert place. No good to ourselves or anybody else. Unable to bear fruit. Unable to give shade. Nobody would come looking for us for anything because we look like we need a whole lot ourselves. Amen. That's not the kind of church that will change the community. And it's not the kind of Christian that will change their family. God wants us to be a well-watered garden. But if we're going to be that, we're going to have to unstop our well. Say, unstop your well. Some of times it's the enemy. But I want to tell you, sometimes we stop up our own well. Sometimes our own choices, the things we allow in our lives, fill up the well of God in our lives. I love Jill Briscoe, Jill and Stuart Briscoe, great commentators and preachers of the gospel. Jill Briscoe said it this way, what are the things that might stop up my well? Listen to her summation. I loved it. I thought it was gold. She said, he is the spirit of truth, so he is grieved by anything that is dishonest or false. He is the spirit of grace, so he is grieved by anything hard, bitter, or ungracious. He is the spirit of grace. He's grieved by anything malicious, unthankful, unforgiving, or bitter. He's the spirit of holiness, so he's grieved by anything unclean, defiling, or degrading. 
He is the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so he's grieved by ignorance, conceit, arrogance, or folly. He's the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, so he's grieved by anything that is barren, fruitless, disorderly, confused, or uncontrolled. He's the spirit of life, anything that savors of indifference, lukewarmness, spiritual dullness, or deadness grieves him. He is the spirit of glory, so he's grieved by anything that is worldly, earthly, or fleshly. He wants us like Jesus, and as long as we are indulging in known sin, we are living in the same abode with a grieved spirit who is hindered from manifesting himself fully in us and through us. You see, whenever we grieve him, we feel it. There's something on the inside of our hearts that won't allow us to have peace or joy or rest because we know there's something not right between our soul and the Savior. Are you here today? You may have trusted Christ, you may be a Christian, and yet you know that the water has somehow stopped flowing in your life. You don't have the quality of life I'm preaching about today. What has stopped up your well, Christian? What has blocked the flow in your life? What's going on? But you don't understand what a dry season it's been. You don't understand my circumstances. I'm not discounting your circumstances. Please know I'm not discounting anything that you're going through or anything you've been through. But I just want to lovingly remind you today that the promise of God is even in a season of drought, we can be fresh and flourishing because our roots can go down into the river. The Bible says he's planted by streams of water and he brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaves also do not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. That's the one who's planted in the river of God's spirit and along the banks of God's word. That's the promise. Do you need to unstop your well today? Have you grieved the Holy Spirit? Dennis Kenlaw said when he grieves he leaves. But today by repentance and crying out to God, we can remove the stones and the water of life can flow into our thirsty souls again. I close with Acts 3.19. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, say refreshing, may come from the presence of the Lord. Do you need refreshing today? Do you need the Holy Spirit's water to flow into your life again today? That's the question. Stand up with me all over the room. Pastor Chad comes. Again, Jill Briscoe's quote. She said, the river of life is within us and we have a choice to put our roots down in it or simply to come Sunday by Sunday and to become a little scrub bush Christian sitting on a pew, singing little scrub bush songs, saying little scrub bush prayers and being absolutely useless to ourselves, our family, and our world. Or... We can put our roots in the river of God. Are you rooted in the river today? Are you alive and flourishing? Are you experiencing the Holy Spirit moving in to your life? Flowing day by day giving you life. Let me say two things to you. Number one, if you're not a Christian, Jesus is the only one who gives us water. Jesus is the only source of the water of life there is. Empty religion won't do it. Earthly relationships won't do it. Nothing else you try to plug into that spot in your life will satisfy you. Nothing. Only Jesus gives living water. He's the source. So if you're not a Christian, you've never trusted Christ, I urge you today, turn your back on all the substitutes. We call them substitutes. The Bible calls them idols. Turn your back on all the other idols and come to Jesus today. Just come to Him. 
Come, cry out to God, tell Him you're sorry for everything you've tried to plug in the space that rightfully belongs to Him. Believe every word we've sung today. We've sung the gospel all morning long. The blood of Jesus shed on that cross was enough to forgive every past sin and break every chain of bondage that holds you back today. And Jesus is the only one who can fill your heart and satisfy you. Give your life to Jesus today. That's the call. But number two, if you're a Christian today, I want to ask you, are you spirit-filled today? Now, I mean a couple things by that. Number one, have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is a gift that rightfully belongs to every child of God. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian, but I've never been with the Holy Spirit, you can be and you ought to be, but you won't ever be until you seek after the gift and ask the Lord, Lord, will you fill me with your Spirit? Ask Him. Luke says, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks to him, the door's open. If you being evil know how to good, good, give good gifts to your children, Luke said, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Ask Him today. Come and throw open your heart and receive the gift. But some of you are here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a Christian. And I remember the night I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, that's wonderful. But why are you so dry today? Why? What's going on in your life? Maybe today you need to unplug your well. Maybe today there's something that has stopped up the flow of God's Spirit in your life. Deal with it today. Deal with it. God's will is that you be a well-watered garden, not a little scrub bush Christian. Which are you? What do you want to be today? Well, Pastor, I appreciate the message. Listen, the river of life is within us and we have a choice to make. The point of this message is not for you to walk away saying, Oh, I understand that the Holy Spirit is like water. I didn't preach so you could understand anything. I didn't preach so you'd walk out of here going, The Holy Spirit is like water. I preached so you'd leave wet. That's the point. Leave wet. Throw open the door of your heart and come to Jesus and say you said if anybody thirsts Lord I'm coming thirsty Lord you said if anybody's dry well I'm dry Lord I need some help unplugging the well of my heart so the river of God can flow you come today whatever if you've never or if it's been a long time or if you just need a fresh outpouring God can meet you today Pray the prayer of David, Psalm 63. Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 42, 1. As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. When can I come and meet with God? Come and claim the promise of God. Zechariah 10 and 1. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. And the Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Do you need God to rain on you? What did he say? Ask. Ask of the Lord and he'll give it to you. It doesn't get any plainer than that today. Don't let pride, spiritual pride, keep you back. Well, I'm fine. I'm just fine. Well, stay there, Dusty. Amen. Amen. Little scrub bush, go on home. Amen. But if you're thirsty, Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. Would you bow your heart?
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would leave with more than information. We'd leave with transformation. I pray today that, God, you'd do a work in our hearts in the last couple moments of this service that remain. And somebody in this room would throw open the door of their heart and say, Lord, I need you. I am thirsty and I am coming. I'm coming, Lord. Lord, I pray today that, God, you'd pour out your spirit on us, gathered because we love you. We're asking rain in the time of latter rain. We're asking you, Lord God, we're crying out like David. Oh, Lord, we thirst for you in a dry and weary land. Can we meet with you today, God? Will you pour down your life and grace and help and strength on us? Lord, some of us today need to unstop the well. Some of us need to unplug the things that have displeased you and grieved you today. We need to unstop the flow of your spirit. Father, some of us today need to trust Christ for the very first time. Walk away from the substitutes and surrender our lives to Jesus. Meet us. Meet us whatever the need. May we just come to you, the source of living water. In Jesus' name, God's people said. We're going to sing, and as we sing, the altar's open. If you need to come, just come. Just come. Come and pray today. Amen. Let's go. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you were blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at the Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org, join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.